0: because I don't know what's on the other side of fear. If I've been afraid for so long, it's very easy to build narratives within our minds about how we're not gonna get. We're, we're, we're completely prepared for the worst. Okay, well, what happens if I get what I want?
1: Welcome to the Secret Life Podcast. Tell me your secret. I'll tell you mine. Sometimes you have to go through the darkness to reach the light. That's what I did. After 12 years of recovery in sex and love addiction, I finally found my soulmate, myself. Please join me in my novel, Secret Life of a Hollywood Sex and Love Addict, a four-time bestseller on Amazon. It's a brutal, honest, raw, gnarly ride, but hilarious at the same time. Check it out now on Amazon. Welcome to Secret Life Podcast. I'm Brienne davis Gant. Today, I'm pulling back the curtains of all kinds of human secrets. We'll hear about what people are hiding from themselves or others. You know, those deep, dark secrets we probably want to go to our grave with? Are those lighter, funnier secrets that are just plain embarrassing? Really the how what, when, where and why of it all? Today my guest is Jeff. Jeff. I have a question for you. Dun, dun, dun. What is your secret?
0: My secret, I mean, I think it, it, it encompasses a couple different things, but it starts from the natural place of fear fear of being afraid, fear of losing, you know, looking bad and losing something I've got. So it kind of corrodes every piece of me.
1: So you're saying like the secret you've been holding is that you are you live in this like world of just fear
0: internally. Yes, but I'd like to say that I haven't, well, that, that was a secret that I held for a very long time. Right. Gratefully speaking, I have... Uh, by not by by not by virtue, I have found my way out of that. Um, it was it was you know, out of necessity that I was forced to kind of break my heart open versus and I versus this idea of, of virtue. And I think as a human being, as a man now, i I continue along this this road through virtue because I no longer want to be a slave to those same feelings.
1: I love that before we get to how you got on the other side of that fear, when do you think this fearful or not good enough came from as a young child do you remember times in your past?
0: Yes I think I have an idea of where where it started you know where I began to internalize or discover that I wasn't didn't feel the same as other people quote unquote I wear glasses um, but when I was very young, Mm-hmm. I didn't have glasses. I had, an, I was cross-eyed and I couldn't really see. And I didn't really tell anybody. I mean, it was obvious that I was cross-eyed, but I couldn't see.
1: You couldn't see and you didn't tell anybody?
0: I could see, but I couldn't, I, I, I could see. So I fumbled through and then I had surgery on my eyes at like four, when I was four. I had, And I wore a patch on one eye for six months while having glasses. I have pictures. Um, you can, they're very cute now, but, <laughs> but, but that same individual that you see is how I saw myself as this kind of, I had glasses, you know, seemingly horn, horn glasses and a patch. And I wore a patch on different, different eyes for six months at a time. So that right. was a year and a half of that. And then I didn't tell anybody that I couldn't read. So I had all of these things because I was embarrassed to talk about what I didn't know, Um, which I think is another part of that secret is that I was afraid to ask for any help or that I didn't know how to do what I thought or it seemed like everybody else looked like they knew what to do. Did you
1: not know how to read because of your eyesight or?
0: I was dyslexic or I am dyslexic and I was cross-eyed, which didn't help anything. And then probably when when they fixed all that, I then was just like, I don't know what I'm reading. So I just you know, kicked the can down the road until it got so bad that I was in like fourth grade and I couldn't read.
1: I mean, I'm just gonna tell you, I'm dyslexic, majorly dyslexic. I have ADHD. I didn't learn the alphabet until I was four years old. And I remember my mom crying because I couldn't learn the alphabet. So I also kicked the can down the road acting like, kind of like fake it till you make it situation. I'll
0: get, I'll catch up. And then you're just like, wait a second, where is everybody?
1: (laughs) (laughs) And then you internally feel like something is like, something's wrong with you or you're missing something.
0: Well, I think we, I, yeah, you, you, if you begin to, uh, as I've gotten older, it's like you, then I put myself in that seven year old, six year old body. And, and I'm like, Oh, everybody else can do this. I'm, I'm stupid. I'm an idiot. I'm, You know, and and all of these things, because I don't, I wasn't real. well, I don't remember my parents ever shaming me that way. But I certainly, but my, my, you know, my dad was not a a lovey, touchy-feely kind of guy. My mom wasn't overly, but, you know, I certainly looked up to my father in such a way that I don't think I understood how to ask for what I needed. Or maybe, you know what I mean? Like, I think we've come such a long way in parenting and in psychology, you know, and that's not to say that people are not raised poorly. We don't, sadly, we don't need a license or people don't need a license to have children. They should,
1: they should.
0: I I totally agree. (laughs) I mean, you know, the fact that there's no mandatory class to to rebirth a human being seems crazy. And I think that leads into this other thing of uh, with men, and I don't, you know, because I, I don't have any children, but I also but and I, what it what it means to be a man, and I think we've come a long way in that discussion. I think in the last year and a half, two years, maybe since all the all of these toxic masculinity scandals have broken, um, it's been dragged out in the, into center stage. <laughs> kicking you know, and screaming, <laughs> kicking and screaming, exactly. But I think that the conversation, at least for me and And gratefully, the, you know, the, the, the framework of men that I've come up with over the last 20 some odd years, we've been, we've been talking about it and I've been working in that direction, but also, well, and I would say, but I would say my true recovery has only been in that, in that realm has been the last, you know, maybe (laughs) <laughs> I'm over, you know, maybe maybe 10 years at most where I began to make some strides because I held on to these, and I still, I'm nowhere near perfect. I, I hold on to these subconscious, more now, old ideas of like what it means or what I was, you know, you need to be stoic. Don't let anybody know what's going on. If you're afraid, don't tell anyone, you know, you be the bull, you know, and as opposed to, you know, leading with your heart risking being vulnerable versus just acting like you don't need anybody.
1: So here's my question for you. I really still want to look at the past. Like, was there a moment where you did lead with your heart in any capacity or your fear and you got shot down?
0: Yes. Yes. There, so we, the, we I never answered the first, I think I answered part of the first question, but there's one big part of that secondary answer of like being afraid. There was a point in time when I was probably 10 or 11, fought all the time. I was a runt, you know, skinny kid. And I was kind of a bully. I didn't, but I was like an underdog bully at that point. So I would just stand up to anybody who was like being a dick and right. fight all the time. And there was a point in time when I was probably, probably about 10, maybe 11, where I just got worked. And it wasn't that I got beat up, but I got lifted. There was a, by a bigger kid who lifted me up and threw me. It's the first time I tasted fear that I can remember being petrified and instead of just doubling down and fighting, I was like duck cover and just, you know, kind of cower. And that changed a lot for me in the next few years because I was then from that day forward for the next couple of years bullied. And I experienced like the other both side.
1: sides. You experience both sides. Usually that doesn't happen.
0: No. And it, it was a great lesson. You know, it was a big lesson (laughs) because to, you know, to kind of be emulated on, not that I was emulated, but just to be, you know, to be the big, you know, big 10 year old on campus (laughs) and then, and then be, you know, scorned and have to be protected by your older sister from like, you know, bigger, you know, more mature looking 12 year olds, (laughs) which is, you know, um, and this was back in the day. You know, look, I'm, I'm 49, so this was, you know, pre, maybe pre-guns, but there were certainly knives and stuff like that, but, but not even pre, it was, you know, people used to just, people would call you out. You would go out in the schoolyard, like, let's let's do this, and people actually threw fists, which may be a better thing. I think, you know what I mean? Well, yeah, the I definitely box. think
1: that's better than getting shot or stabbed, you know, yeah, in the kidneys. Yeah, yeah. I say, exactly. use your fist. I mean, listen, I'm not telling people to go fight, but like definitely a better way.
0: <laughs> and there's something, I mean, there's something we can get to it. I don't know if we'll time, but like I box now. It's amazing and I don't do it. And that was a whole different place of coming from fear and anger to a place of love.
1: Well, you were using it as a sport instead of hurting someone, getting your aggression out, you well, know? I,
0: yeah, I started, well, part of it you start, I mean, I think most people start from a place of fear and, and sport and competition and I'm going to own you. But now as I've gotten older, like I box with, I spar with my best friend and it's no longer, it's, it's for a very long time, it hasn't been about, I mean, we, we're we're competitive. So there's times where we get a little bit anxious but it's a great example. It's like a dance now. It's literally a dance where you know it's not about hurting the individual, but it's about kind of teaching and coaching. And and I can again be a bully in the ring. I outweigh my friend, so I can bully him around, mm-hmm. or I can I can let him lead, and I can lead from a place of being of service to try to get the best out of each other. So. You had another question that I that I didn't. Well,
1: uh, you kind of answered it. You answered it when you were the bully, and then you became okay. the victim more. But go so, ahead. But
0: I remember there was. I'm of the John Hughes era, so <laughs> I'm a romantic, and I was, you know, after that bullying stage, I I was slow to mature. I think physically, mm-hmm. uh, and I also grew up bookend by women. My mother was the primary caregiver. My father worked all the time, great provider, horrible father. As far as like uh, uh, having a discussion about any, my father was the stoic starer. People would come to my house and be like, don't give me your dad's look. Because my dad would just like, he would, (laughs) he would shame you with his eyes. And he was very good at it. So when I was, so I was kind of not physically, I was watching, you know, other, you know, young adults or young, you know, 13 year olds get, more muscular. And I, you know, I, I joke, I look like, I look like my mom and I'm just like, okay, this is oh, good look. And in the eighties, it was not a good, I mean, I had like a, a bouffant hairdo <laughs> with a little bit of a mullet. So I was, I, I didn't, I was afraid to be vulnerable. I didn't understand how to, I still don't on some level talk to women. Oh, okay. That part of myself That when I did lead with my heart, I wasn't, I can, because I can remember, you know, that those were the days before cell phones where the texting was writing a note and you turn it, you know, you fold up little, you know, give each other notes. That's what we did back then. And, you know, I gave a note to this girl that I, you know, was in love with Um, and, you know, it was not, it was, it was not, it was not, it was, there was no reciprocity. Yes, it was, it was. It, you know, and she didn't answer it in such a way that was reciprocated on any level um, to the extent that she wrote, like, you look weak to me now, which is, I don't blame her, but it's all. Oh, that is harsh. Yes. Women are harsh. I, I can't speak to all of them, but that, and that broke me at a very young age. And I, and, uh, but that also initiated this journey for me into writing. Mm-hmm. Because I had all of these unrequented, ununderstood feelings, so I started doing writing in journals and and started thinking about stories and watching a lot of movies. You know, so I I had that, like I said, like, you know, John Hughes and and maybe even Cameron Crowe, because one of my favorite movies, all most of the John Hughes, you know, early movies, you know, Sweetie. I mean, I I joke about it like I was Ducky, you know, or Anthony Michael Hall and Sixteen Candles, um, and then you know. Lloyd Dobler and say anything, you know, that was, that was like my anthem, you know, Mm. just the misunderstood, you know, which then propelled me into this idea of like, okay, well, I need to get all of, I need to change the way I look without working on the way I actually feel or internally
1: communicate.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. I didn't. So I went on this physical journey, well, physical and, and debacle in a way too, because I didn't just dive into getting fit physically i also medicated the way i felt for a good decade and a half because right. that was e- i could i could change the way i feel by drugs and alcohol and then if i had any other feelings that superseded all that i could beat myself up by doing exercise and yeah you know the the interesting thing is if you it's been my experience that if you do anything long enough that doesn't really work you and you stay for the journey long enough that it doesn't work, you get to either put it down or break yourself.
1: Oh, completely. You are either going to survive and thrive, or you're going to pretty much kill yourself. There's one yeah. or the other. So, and I did
0: that on, 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 you know, in, in both of those areas. Probably, you know, I still, you know, like I don't, I don't drink, I don't, I don't do drugs anymore. Um, and that, that was. 12 year, maybe more journey of, you know, I can't get through this. I will continue, you know, I didn't let go of that until it nearly killed me or lost my freedoms. And then the physical thing, you know, the beauty of that is that if you work hard enough, you're going to kind of get what you want. And then the real wake up call is when I looked in the mirror, because I remember in high school looking in the mirror and like fantasizing about how I'm going to look.
1: Like with the eight pack ab and, you know, all the muscles, all that. Yeah. You
0: know, and, and then, you know, flash to 20 some odd years later, and I pretty much had that. Oh, f- fuck, this, this isn't the answer, yeah. you know? And now what do I do? <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's, you know, and gratefully, I was already on a journey of having all of the other things kind of fall away uh, spiritually. And I had a place and I had friends that I could go to with some of that, who had similar experiences that were like, okay, this is the way you get out of this. This is If you're willing to do the work, you can, re- you know, you can get recovery. I joke yeah. that if I did everything the way I learned how to jump rope, I'd be amazing in every area of my life because I learned to jump rope ugh, like 20 years ago and I taught myself how to jump rope and I had really bad shin splints. So I would jump rope for about two minutes at a time and then I couldn't walk. So I would wait and then I would jump rope longer and then I would wait and then I would jump rope longer. And now I can, you know, at my peak of jumping rope, I would jump rope for like 45 minutes before I worked out for an hour or two. You know, Okay. That was when this is cuckoo. the first
1: jumping rope analogy I have ever heard in my entire life. And I'm loving it. That is beautiful. <laughs> I just had a visual of you like, and that's what you do with your internal work. You do it for a couple minutes and then you keep building up, that internal work. But I do want to... I always love to go to the seven deadly sins when I talk about these internal secrets that we keep. So I'm going to name them for you. And if any of them um, attach, let me know and why. So we got pride, greed, lust, love. Well, glut- can,
0: you can just okay Well, he's... he's I, I, okay. You can, you can just... You can list <laughs> each one of them I because I can... Yeah, you could say pride. I mean... Okay, pride. The The deadly sin of pride is reverse pride because it's not about me think... I mean, I think... I have like I have the megalom I'm a megalomaniac with an inferiority complex. Like I think I'm the best person in the world as I as I tear myself down. Oh so yeah. I, I'm a piece of shit, but I'm all I think about. You know exactly. what I mean? So, exactly. Exactly.
1: So, <laughs> <you know. laughs> I, I don't have any reference to that. Like I'm just <laughs> I just am watching him and I know how he feels. Like, I don't have that problem. <laughs> on,
0: put on some emo and some light some candles, and let me just, you know. Let me just feel horrible and feel horribly horrible. Like, ooh, this is fun. And I'm the best thing in the world. (laughs) Yeah, 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 exactly. So, And and you can do that with everything. So, you know, that's my experience with pride, you know, and and that's that that strange place of like, I think I could do better than all of these people, but I'm terrified to even start.
1: Right. So I'm not gonna.
0: You know what I mean? And then, and who am I hurting? I hurt me. I'm not taking, and it's the same thing with leading with your heart. You know, or if you listen to any of the, you know, Brene Brown does a great job. She's a sociologist, so she could define it ten times better than me. But if you don't leave with your heart, I got every time, even with that girl in high school, and every in every subsequent woman I've ever, because I've, I've I've done that several times, mm-hmm. confessed my love, and it's not been requented mm-hmm. or, or it's got been reciprocal. But I can tell you, it feels very much like stepping on the stage in theater for the first, the second, the fourth. It's like I'm on stage and it's out there. And I am – you take it or leave it, it doesn't matter. But right. I feel alive. It's like that – you know, it's the edge. It's, you got to step on the edge and be willing to fail to ever have any greatness.
1: Exactly. I completely So what's the next agree. Deadly Sin? So we got greed.
0: Okay. Oh, greed. Well, greed I think is, you know <laughs> – one is too many and a thousand's never enough. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) it doesn't matter if it's cookie or, you know, a line of cocaine. It does, you know what I mean? Like (laughs) or a bowl of cereal. I'm powerless over French fries and cereal among other things, but I love me some cereal. I love me some French fries. Um, so it's like, here have one, one fry. It's like, are you kidding me? Go, you know, F yourself. Um, That's yeah, me. Be-
1: I always am like, put down the fries. But frosting, <laughs> I'm like, oh, I could eat a whole thing of frosting. Like, well, it's a vehicle. Not- it's
0: like ranch. Like, yeah. you know I mean? <laughs> <laughs> it's just a vehicle. It's like, you just go, gl- go, gl- go, gl- go. Gl- gl-. Well, I, cream cheese. You should just, you know, you're not having the bagel for the I mean, yes, the carbs are good, but that just gets you tired. It's like, you just want the cream cheese, right? I mean, um, okay, agreed. Next.
1: Okay, lust.
0: Lust. Well... <laughs> I love uh, this book that I read sometimes. It's like we confuse lust with love. you know it's a four-letter word, and I, and I think in this day and age, I talk about it with friends of mine that we confuse like I don't know I don't think we talk enough about what, what it truly what, like, what true love is misconstrued in this day and age. Maybe it's always been, you know, because we confuse what is a, uh, you're a mother. I can't, I will never understand what that is necessarily about. I have not been a father yet, but I've been down this journey of what is unconditional love. And so the way I get to lust from here is when love is conditional, it becomes more anchored to lust. Oh, so, yeah. you know, unconditional love is like, I think I, I refer to it like the sun, the sun is just going to give you rays, it's just going to give you sun. It's going to give you a It doesn't matter if you spit at it, if you curse at it, or if you cover up, or if you dress appropriately, it's just going to give. So when I be, when I begin to put conditions on this and lust, it's about, and look, I think lust is fine if it's tempered, but there's not, it's so rare. Can you keep that energetic cage tempered, right? If all of your, if your only attachment is from a physical exterior realm, yes, there's going to be truth to that. And that that's, has everything to do with fear because it's, it's unseen, it's invisible. What sets me aside from everybody else is my idea that nobody else is ever afraid. And then I begin to build stories and a narrative of how I'm different and nobody's gonna connect with me and I'm isolated. And then I'm vulnerable at the side because I'm, I'm so vulnerable because I will not let anybody know my vulnerability. Yeah, I see what you're saying, yeah. It's, the, it's an oxymoron. You know, it's like to feel the most alive and connected to other individuals. For me, it's been best to learn how to step on that edge and, and risk being hurt.
1: Yeah, and jump.
0: You always love, step on that right? edge and jump. Yeah, it's like, yeah, be ex- chances. I think it's been more proven that I'm going to be accepted than, than not. And not that it's about me or anybody who's risking, but those that shame, I think, tend to shame out of fear of being exposed. Yeah. Right. The bully is the bully. The bully is super afraid. The bully bullies an individual because they don't, because they want to, they want to push on them control and suppression. And I don't want anybody to know that I'm scared, <laughs> that I don't know how I'm doing this. I want to shame the shit out of you so I feel better.
1: Well, it's always that thing where hurt people hurt people. And I yeah. think it's just as simple as that. Usually, if that's happening, someone's getting hurt by somebody else, you know? Okay, lastly, let's go. I'm going to name the last four. So we got gluttony, envy, anger, and sloth.
0: Gluttony. I think gluttony is similar to greed for me. It's like, you know.
1: Ah, Not enough. Ah, yeah, can't yeah, like, can't yeah, be yeah, yeah, filled.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like uh, the money Python. Yeah. Uh, we could need another bite. You know what I mean? It's like, just a little wafer. Um, gluttony. What was the next one? Envy. Envy, you know envy is a tough one. I think I I really grew when I, when I stopped, what I, I really started to grow when, you know, when I think back and when I was able to be happy for other people. So that goes back to, for me, like this place of compassion, this place of what true love is, and, and then an infinite power of enough versus this finite, you know, like, well, if, if you get, if you get money, fame, what you want, there, you know, pleasure. there's not there's, enough for me. There's not enough for me, right? Yeah. So it's like, and then, but I remember, and I, I think, if, like, you know, your husband has, and I have been friends for a very long time. So I see a lot of. He's been a great mirror for me to like. He's taught me so much, and I think we've had. He and I have had this discussion. It's like when I used to compare. Like I would, I would say, "Oh, I know this woman who's got you know a dance." Recital thing, and now they're going to be on TV, and I'm mad and jealous. Like, and I'm not a woman, I don't dance. dance, I don't sing. You know what I mean? It's like, why am I worried that there's not going to be enough of that on the table for me? Because I don't do any of that. Well, in case I learned, you know what I mean? So, well, my
1: whole thing is like, I have a that was like my hardest character defect to set down, and it still is. It's the compare and despair thing, even if it's not you. Like the same thing i'd be like he got that and i'm like right. first of all i am not a he and i right. will never get that like it's like makes right, right. no like sense
0: he's a bodybuilder but you're not gonna be a bodybuilder Brian. but but i could be are you telling – now you're what are you what are you telling me i can't do something right um and then ah. so there was anger what's the other one and
1: sloth t- laziness
0: well that's interesting because i am my depression. The way I have always pushed myself out of depression is to drill sergeant myself into activity, which mm-hmm. is rooted through anger, which is rooted through rage, which is rooted through self hatred, which is all like a feeding place. Learning to be compassionate with myself, to allow myself to be a little bit more slothful and rest, because you've got you know you've got to be a doer, you know. So I, that was a place of like self self torture, right. And, and not being nice to myself. And rage or anger, you know, the sins of our father. You know, my father was a rageaholic, was a workaholic, which both of those, you know, he was not a lazy person. So I got a great work ethic, but I got really no template for communication. And he was an attorney, like a very successful trial lawyer. So strangely, he was paid to communicate with what he wanted to deliver, but he could never deliver what he needed to of his heart. right? He was terrified of that. Died at a very young age, probably from closing all of that down. So anger was a way that I knew how to, it was effective. It was a high, like mm. I used to get high off. I mean, when I like 25 years ago, I was so angry. When I first met your, when I first met Gant, so angry, like you could talk to Gant could, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a, the beauty of where I live and how I live today is that I've got some really close friends that have seen this, what I would imagine to be a very interesting journey of, of, of who Jeff is. Yeah,
1: um, a transformation.
0: Yeah, yeah, because I was a lot more muscular, a lot more angry, a lot, and, 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 a, and a bully in some ways when all I wanted to do was, you know, it was like, love me, love me, don't touch me. You know what I mean? Like, And, I, I, you know, I couldn't express any of that place in, par, in my heart. And and I'm not perfect at it today. Like I have some of my closest friends. Like, I, I don't know what the feelings that are coming up, but I know I'm anxious and I begin to delineate these, disc, you know, like disc, I'm uncomfortable or I'm anxious. And the, and the funny part of that is that anxiety and excitement are very similar, at least in my body. I think in most Mm -hmm. people's body, like I get excited or I get anxious. It's the same feeling. There's just a leaning towards negativity with the anxiety and a leaning towards, you know, excitement, the positive or negative of uncertainty, because the uncertainty, I mean, look, this is going to probably come out. We'll probably will still be where we are circumstantially in life but we all live in this bubble of uncertainty right
1: now. Oh yeah, we're surrounded by it. But it's really showing us that we have no control over anything and we never did. And that's, I think, the beautiful thing of this moment that people have to start looking at. Like you don't have control.
0: Accepting that. Yeah. And (laughs) I love the uh, uh, one thing that I've heard a lot, I haven't heard it recently, but let go or be dragged. And I really, really love to hang on.
1: (laughs) Oh, I do too. Like with clutching on the side, like, well, no.
0: I, the, the funny part is I, I, sometimes I don't know if I have the strength to let go, which is that ironic thing of like, because I don't know what's on the other side of fear. If I've been afraid for so long of whatever, fill in the blank, him or her saying yes, if it's a love individual or the job, it's very easy for us to build narratives within our minds about how we're not going to get. We don't, you know, so then we build this, we're, we're, we're completely prepared for the worst and we have no concept of beyond this known of, okay, well, what happens if I get what I want?
1: Yeah. What happens if you get more than you ever imagined? What if your narrow view is actually something's bigger for you is what we always lean into. But I do, I do want to ask you one more question before we go. I already, you have talked about, you know, that it's harmed you and it's, and that, but I do want to ask if someone's going through this transformation of living in fear and it's secretly inside of them, what would be the advice you would give them to help them move forward?
0: I've been very lucky, but I, I, I think Finding one individual that you can begin because it starts and ends with communication. it starts and ends with this connection with one person and breaking down the barrier of this illusion you know fall you know, an acronym for fear is false evidence appearing real or fuck everything and run <laughs> I love the statement we commence to outgrow fear mm. and that is a place to start and I the only way and I, another piece of literature I read is it talks about how how fear, if it corrodes every part of us, it's a thief that steals our lives in our lives joy, in everything. Yeah, it's because it 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 keeps me inactive, and the in the in the place towards recovery, in that part of our lives is to communicate.
1: I think that's great. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your truth and your secret, and I think. I'm so grateful for you. So thank you. Thank
0: you. I appreciate it.
1: And if you want to be on the show, please email me at secretlifepodcast at iCloud.com. Until next time. Thanks again for listening to the show. Please subscribe, rate, share, or send me a note at secretlifepodcast.com. And if you like to check out my book, head over to secretlifenovel.com or Amazon to pick up a copy for yourself or someone you love. Thanks again. See you soon.